take your seats in the heavenly places. I want to say that I welcome Christ with Tabernacle churches in India as they are connected with us in this program. I want to welcome the Christ with Tabernacle churches in Nigeria. They are connected with us in this program. I want to welcome Christ with Tabernacle in Ireland and Germany. They are connected with this program. Our brethren in Benin Republic are not able to because of technology. And uh, churches in the villages are not able to because of technology. But I'm sure that this that God is doing here will reach all of them. And I can hear our daughter, our daughter's voice in America saying, Apostle, what about me? Yes, Christ with Tabernacle in North Carolina, Sister Dagnet, you are very welcome in this program. Now, I promised you yesterday that I was going to share with you very briefly today on God's ultimate provision for those who believe. God's ultimate provision for those who believe. The book of Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Second Peter chapter one verse three. I want us to listen to the written word very attentively. It is the word by which the laws of God is interpreted. For those of you who are in law, you call that lex fori. It is the language of the law. It says God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life. Now there are a few things I want us to look through in these words as we go. That's what verse says, His divine power, which is God's divine power, has given to us. This is not talking about made provision for, but he's saying that we have received the provision already. He has given to us everything we need for life, which means anybody born again, there is nothing you need for your life that has not been given. Yeah? I wanted to apply this to anything, any knowledge you have had, and subject every understanding that you have had, either from teachings and all stuff, under these scriptures. For the Word of God does not and cannot lie. And then he went further to say, everything we need for life and for godliness which has been given to us by God, we can only access them through our knowledge of the God who gave it. So it means, therefore, that the knowledge of God that a Christian has either limits or enhances how much he can decipher or how much he can access in the 
blessing and this provision God has given him. If you look at this, that knowledge of him is talking about the knowledge of Christ himself. And this is the reason why, for those of you who are ministers listening to me, you must make every effort to fill your congregation with the knowledge of Christ. The more of Christ a Christian knows, the more he can fulfill what God has given to him or he can operate what God has given to him for life and what God has given to him for godliness. Old Testament is good for people to see how God related with men in the past. But the doctrine that the New Testament church is based upon is the doctrine of Christ himself, not the Old Testament doctrine. Therefore, when you read the Old Testament and you read the the life of people like Elijah, Elisha, Moses, and all the miracles they did, that is just for you and I to learn that if these men walk with God without the Holy Spirit inside them, Holy Spirit did not live in them, it comes upon them and it goes. But if these men, David and the rest of them, Solomon, can walk with God, and some of them can perform so much signs and wonders by faith in God, that means that anyone born again can do everything they did, and we can go beyond. That's why Jesus said, among all men born by women, none of them is as high as John the Baptist. Jesus told us that John the Baptist is the highest prophet, higher than Elijah, higher than Moses, higher than every prophet who ever lived before him. But he said, Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of God is even higher than John the Baptist. Come on now. Somebody who got born again right now is higher than John the Baptist. Jesus said that. In other words, somebody who is born again right now is higher than... Moses, Elijah, Elisha, name them. And Jesus never gets his words wrong. He is the word himself, incarnate. That's the reason why the Bible said further in Peter, while he was writing to us, he says, no, don't you understand? There is nothing you need on earth that has not been given. There is nothing you need for life that you have not received. You only need to dive into the knowledge of the God who gave them. The more of the God that you discover, the more you can uncover the provision he has given to you. So the heart of a believer from day to night should be studying about Christ. To understand who Jesus really is. In knowing who Christ is, is when you know who God is. Why will God give us this Provision. Verse 4 says, through this provision, he has given us his very great precious promises. So that through them, we may participate in divine nature. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. If you look at what he's saying here, God's divine power has given everything we need for life and godliness. Okay? And through this, he has given to us, that is through this provision, he has given to us his very great precious promises. All the promises of the Bible. 
So that through these promises, we may participate in divine nature. Today I won't talk about divine nature because, you know, it's quite a very robust topic. But I can just give you this. In the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse, verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our own image and our likeness and let them have dominion. So we can understand that all divine nature of God can be summed up in the ability to have dominion. Ability to be in control. Well, of course, ability to know things before they happen to you. Ability to understand the future so that you are not walking aimlessly on earth. You don't need to be a prophet for that. You only need to be born again. To know tomorrow, you don't need prophet for it. You need to be born again. And if you are born again, you have these promises of God by which you can participate in the divinity of God. Right on earth, not after you have died. Let me help you understand. In the promises of God, if you look at the book of First Corinthians chapter, chapter uh, uh, 12, if you look at verse, verse uh, 1, let me read verse 1 to verse 4 there. And we come back to this. It says, Now about spiritual gifts, alright, this is promises. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Then you know that when you were pagans, some, somehow or other, or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by what? Come on, let me hear you. Hey, let me hear you. Let's read the next verse now. Shall we live together? There are different kinds. <clears throat> yes. Then. Stop. Go back to verse 5, verse 4. What do you say? There are different kinds of gifts. I wanted to read the cathedral way. There are different kinds. No, not all of us are reading. Some of us are still thinking about what others are reading. Shall we read together? Want to go? That is more impactful. Different kinds of gifts, but the same spirits. Then the next one says, Shall we read together? There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. And then the next one says, In who? In who? In who? In who? In who does God walk? In who does He walk? Hey, in who does God walk? If you are a man, He walks in you. of us not some of us and if you look at the next verse it begins to talk about the gift now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given by for the common good understand this it says now to each one which means everyone has it Everyone has it. Somebody born again now, the moment he's born again, there is a gift given to him. 
the role of you as a Christian or the church is to develop that gift in him. Every one of us must discover our gift. We must discover our service for God to be able to walk through us. Because in the working of God, he walked through your service and he uses the gift to walk through you. So, everyone has a gift. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It says, to each one. Come on now. Then he went further to say, to one that is given through the Spirit, the word of wisdom or message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Understand this, I want to, have, I want to refer you back to what I taught you during this during Sunday. And then he went further to say, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by, the, by one, that one Spirit, then to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirit between, uh, between spirit, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. By what spirits? 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 The same spirits. Now, let me help you understand and reflect your mind. What makes a man speak in tongues? Is it because the man is intelligent? No. The manifestation of the Spirit. You see, by the manifestation of the Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit came upon this man. Alright? And when he comes upon this man, he walks in healing. Now, the Holy Spirit came upon this man, and he started telling us the future. To time and date. What will happen? They says we were upon this man, and he begins to say, there's somebody here whose name is this, and this is the condition of your life. And God will heal you. I was, I was ministering among you in New Cross one day. A woman came to the church who had a sickness, and the sickness is along her neck. And they have grafted the neck tissue to examine in laboratory. And they told her that she should come back so that they would give her the result. But that sickness is a lump in her body and some terrible rashes that they don't know what is the cause of it. You know, very, very thick. And she was in the church. And the Lord said, there's somebody here who had these rashes around her body for a long time. The woman was covering her neck with a shawl in summer. And the Lord said that, when she didn't raise her hand up, the Lord said that that woman was in the hospital last week where they grafted part of the skin to take to the laboratory and investigate. She didn't stand up. And then the Lord said, she is sitting right here. And I was pointing straight away to her. She stood up shivering. Because she had never been in church before, it's strange. For you to come to church for the first time and somebody is describing your case. And she told me at the end of the meeting that she really wanted to stand up, but she doesn't understand what is going on here. How, how could this man know? So much detail. And the Lord said, you are healed on the spot. The, the patches on the neck vanished instantly. All those rashes disappeared. That is word of knowledge. 
That is word of knowledge. Of course, healing took place by the gift of healing. The Spirit of God will come upon somebody else, and he has the word of wisdom. When there is any dispute between anybody, if people try to resolve it and they fail, when this man speaks, it will be resolved. When you have discussions together on what shall we do about what and stuff, and people are giving their, their comments and advice, when he speaks, everybody says, oh, that is the right thing. It is by such that, you know, you know Justice Solomon, in his first jurisprudence, when a prostitute killed her son, and two of them were living together, and so changed this, this, the, the child, rather, the child, and changed the child, her own child, which is the corpse, and put it beside the woman who has the living child, and took the living child to herself. And they both woke up in the morning, and there was a dichotomy on who, whose child is alive. And the other woman said, no, that is my child. And uh, the other, the prostitute who stole the child said, no, it's my child. Now, this is the dead child. After God visited Solomon, and he asked for wisdom, not an understanding, the first test of wisdom was that. And so, they now said, let's go to the king. When they got to the king, who can understand how to solve that in human intellect? It's impossible. But when they got to the king, the king said, okay, get me the, the man who beheads people. And the man came with his, with his sword. And he said, lay that child on the, on the, on the, on the ram. So now, cut, her, cut that child into two. And the other woman said, yes, cut him into two. And we will take half, half. <clears throat> but the mother of the child jumped on the child and said, cut me, not the child. And Solomon said, therefore, give that child to the one who saved the life of the child. That is wisdom of God. He can operate in a small child. He can operate in a teenager. He can operate in an old person. But now, you have signs and wonders. You have healings. All right? Miraculous signs and wonders. You have speaking in tongues and various types of tongues. This is what I want to remember. It says the manifestation of the Spirit upon one man produce or use a gift, operate a gift. The same manifestation, it says, by the same Spirit, isn't it? Go to another man and he's wise. This man that is wise cannot heal the sick. But this man can heal the sick. He hasn't got the wisdom. The same manifestation come upon another man. He operates in word of knowledge. But he cannot operate in the level of wisdom of this man, neither could he do healing. He came upon the other man, he can operate in signs and wonders. He can command the sun, he can command things and they happen. But then this man, if he needs knowledge, he goes to this man. If he needs wisdom, he goes to this man. If he is sick in his body, this man will operate for him to be healed. Now listen, therefore, it is the same spirit. That is what you call anointing. That's why I told you that in the church of God over the years, some people have maligned the word anointing. They have taught people that some are more anointed than others. No, nobody has more anointing. This is the scripture. 
The gift is given by the same Spirit. Manifestation by the same Spirit. And the word anointing means Holy Spirit. Therefore, you and I will agree together, therefore, that if this man is a miracle worker, there's nothing to boast about. He doesn't know how the gift came. Neither can he activate the gift. Therefore, no one can say, I want to give you the anointing, give you the anointing. That is witchcraft. That is witchcraft. All right, take it, take it, take it. No, it's witchcraft because the anointing does not belong to a man. It, it comes upon a man and operates through the man. And when he's lifted up, the man is an ordinary man. No man can see vision, even if you are a great visioner, without the anointing coming upon you, your eyes is as dry as everybody's eyes. That's the reason why some of us who operate in healing, sometimes we are sick and we need somebody else to pray for us. Are you with me now? Because it says there that the gifting of the Spirit is given to you to profit others, not to profit you. That's why you cannot sow a seed for it. Neither can you give an offering for it. Anytime that is done, the Spirit of God does not work. Because Jesus says, freely you receive it, freely you give it. There's a place for offering, but it's not for the gift of God. If money has to be paid for the gift of God, then according to the rule of God, Acts chapter 8 applies. There was a man in Acts chapter 8 called Simon the Sorcerer. And this man saw miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit through Philip. And when Peter came and laid hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit, the man soon came because he was a magician who made money from necromancy and stuff like that. He soon came and told Peter that, Peter, what are you talking about? This thing is a great gift. Can I buy it? I want to sow a seed for the gift. You know what Peter says? Perish with your money. You have no part in the kingdom. Anywhere under heaven that any mortal man asks for an offering attached to the gift of the spirit manifestation, God is not with them. Neither will the God of Israel operate in that atmosphere. Know this when you hear me on television. That's the reason why some have gone into things like that. And they will have a feeling as if their pain has gone. Few days after, the pain comes back. Because it was their adrenaline that popped up because of false hope. Listen to me. If the Holy Spirit gives me the gift of healing, and I pray for a sick and he's not healed, what is my problem? Must I have to break that person to heal? No. Because if he did not heal you, I can't heal you. I was operating some time ago, and I, when I was being trained by the Lord Jesus, and I prayed for the sick, and God didn't heal the sick, and I wept and wept and wept and wept. And the Lord asked me, after the crying, Son, who is the healer? Is it you or I? I said, Lord, you are the healer. He said, then why are you crying for my job? And he said to me, what did I say to you to do? I said, lay hands on the sick. And he said to me, did you lay hands on that sick? I said, yes. He said, so why are you crying that he wasn't healed? That is my duty. Your duty is to lay hands. My duty is to heal. What about if I don't want to heal then? 
It was hard for me to bear. Because I felt if I want someone to be healed, the Lord should heal the person. But the fact is this. In heaven and in the spiritual, there is division of labor. If the Lord heals everybody I want him to heal, I will soon feel I'm the healer. Because people can be healed at my will, not at his will. Now, I told you a story before of a crusade I was doing, and God said by word of knowledge I was going to heal a crippled child, and two people raised their hands up. And then the Lord said, the one that brought a girl. And then the hand went down. A hand went down. They bring the girl out. And the girl was crippled by polio. The leg is slim and short. Put that girl over there. And then I kept preaching. And when the unction came upon me, I rebuked that polio. And I commanded that child from about 20 feet away. And the Holy Spirit pulled the child out without anyone touching him. And the child ran. The leg grew and expanded. Then I felt sad. That Lord, what about the boy? But I remember when Jesus told me, you are not the healer. So I had to keep my mouth shut and my emotion to, to myself. Well, if the Lord didn't heal that boy, if the mother came to me and tell the mother, I don't heal anybody, you see. Jesus is the one who heals. You talk to him, I have the grace, but I cannot operate unless he operates through me. And people need to know that. So that you don't idolize man. We are flesh and blood. So at the time they had the grace, the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, tell them to bring that boy tomorrow. And I, you know, I say this again because some people are watching me all over the world. And then I said, the person who brought the boy, bring him tomorrow. Now what happened? The following day by 2 p.m. for the crusade of seven, the whole front rows were filled, the front two rows, they were filled with Muslim clerics in their big turban. Because, and a witch doctor, because that crippled boy lived in a region that he had a lot of Muslims, Muslim clerics and witch doctors also who are not Muslim, they are witch witches. But when they were told, the testimony that a girl was healed who was crippled by polio yesterday and Jesus will heal the boy today, they decided that they will go there. They decided that it will not happen in their region because they heal people to get to make money. They treat the the sick people. So for their sake, Jesus separated who to heal each day. And they brought the boy. They put the boy right in the front. And when I began to preach about the supremacy of Jesus, as the unction of heaven came upon me, I turned to the child and said, rise up! And everybody rose up. <laughs> All the imams rose up with their, uh, the clerics rose up with their, their rosary. And, you know, they have been chanting throughout the church. And when I said second time, rise up, the witch doctor carried his pot out before everybody in the congregation. The church was jammed to the outside. The third time the Holy Spirit rose, raised the child. Without physical contact. I will call that the gift of God. Not the one you are trying to help somebody. Walk now. Walk now. You don't need to touch them or help them. Let them walk by the word of God. Then that is the grace of God in healing. And all the Muslim clerics fell to the ground and shouted, Allah, Wakuba. And I said, no, Jesus, Wakuba. All their cap fell out. 
all the, they had some concussions in their head. They, they covered their head. Everything fell to, to the, the whole place was littered. They were removing their big guns and throwing away their charms, all the amulet they had and broke it. What I want you to understand is this. We all have the same anointing. No man is more anointed on earth than the other. But when the anointing comes upon you, you will only function in the grace he has given you. Yes? Come on now, are you understanding me now? What scripture tells you that? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. Anointing come upon you here and the grace work in you. What did he say? Shall we do it together? Hey, this is cathedral. Shall we read the cathedral way? <laughs> Stop. How many of you? How many of you? When he was talking about gift, he says to each one too. When he was talking about grace, he said to each one too. <clears throat> Isn't it? So every Christian have grace. Let's read it again together now. To each one of us, as uh-huh. So grace has been given to us as Christ apportioned it. Now let's look at verse 11. And what did you say? Uh-huh. Now, does that not mean that every Christian is called to one of these five? That's what it means. So these ministries, everyone born again, once you are born again, you have a calling, and that calling is within these ministries. But it's different from the minister of the office. Because the Bible cannot lie. It says to each one of them, grace has been given. And it says this is five grace. So when you come into church, you have people who behave like pastors. They have pastoral hearts. And you will see them in operation. That doesn't mean they are pastor, but they are within the ministry of pastoring. They are the ones that when pastor give charges for people to run into pastoral duties, they run without it. Look, there is a person that we met in Abuja, and you know, she came to us and we discussed with her about our vision. Before we talk about our vision, I was discussing the vision with, with my wife, and she came and she told us everything we were discussing, that God told her to do those things. While I was saying to some people, why don't you look for this person you have not seen? Why that person you have not seen? When the lady came to us and I told the lady that, look, there's a sister that we want to get her. She was here before. She said, Apostle, give me her telephone. I will find her. That's a pastor. That's a pastor. By the time we get to the weekend, she called us in Lagos. She came to Lagos and she gave us the plans she had drawn up to bring people together in, the, in Abuja and invite mommy back to come and teach the women. That's a pastor. She called me this week. The woman I just met, she said, Mommy, I have spoken to my friend in, in Maryland. And she is now going to gather people together to start Women of Rad Destiny, Maryland chapter. Hear me? She called us and said, she has spoken to, she has sent invitation to 100 women. That they will meet this month, and she's looking for the hotel they will book herself. 
And she said, we will launch Women of Rare Destiny chapter in Abuja. She didn't ask for it done. The woman said, please, mommy, send me the profile of Women of Rare Destiny, the vision, and what I will tell them. And she said, when we are gathered, I will call you so that you can speak to them or pray for them. The same thing, let me say this to you also. She's an assistant director of one of the ministry, government ministries. The person she said, she said now, she said now that I'm starting the Maryland chapter, I don't know whether God is going to take me out of here. Her husband is in our Germany church. And she said, look, this is what I think. The person I can hand over the job to here is a squadron leader in the Air Force, a woman. She said that woman, since I told her, she had been going to the internet to watch you and daddy, and the comments she had been making, she's spoiling. She said she's more even eager than me. That is a pastor. She looks for the sheep. And I use that to help you understand the rest of it. People who are evangelists, when you call evangelism, not the whole church come. Those who come, they are within the group of evangelists. There are some people who are very much enthusiastic about signs and wonders. They are apostles in their group. And you must know this. Each one of you is called to service. And each one of you is given a gift. And God cannot walk through you if you do not render your service. Are we together now? But you must first have this knowledge. That God did not save you for nothing. There is no pew or chairwoman in the church. No. Everyone is called by God for a mandate. A mandate. Let me just finish by this. Let's complete that second Peter. From verse 4. It says, Through this divine power which has given us everything we need for life and godliness, Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. Listen to me. As a Christian, you don't have to fall. You don't have to fall. God has given you everything you need to keep yourself in righteousness. This is scripture. This is scripture. Grace has been watered down by some people, but the whole global church should know that it is Lucifer who brought that doctrine of grace. The Bible tells you and I here, through these promises, so that through them, you may participate in divine nature and escape corruption in the world. You don't have to be corrupted by evil desire. A Christian, we have to overcome all the evil desires of the world by righteousness. We have the power to do so. The spirit that controls us is holy. And Holy Spirit cannot control a person who decides not to yield himself to holiness. Impossible. Does it mean we are perfect? No. But we listen to him and we judge every action by the written word of God. That's what it means. You cannot continue in sin and expect grace to abound. The Bible says never will you get that. Now, what are the practical things you can do and I can do to keep us in this balance. He went further to say, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Come on now. It's your effort. Everybody have an effort. 
And it depends on where you turn your efforts to. If you turn your effort towards this, come on now, you will see how easy the life is for you. You can live a life without regrets. Make all effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, come on, and to self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness. Yes, and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Then he went further to say, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. You cannot be in church and do nothing. You know, we had a meeting with um, the workers on uh, yesterday, I suppose, to look at overview of our work in the church, in the community, in our city, in our nation and see how much have we affected lives of other people and we came about a lot of derivations which this Friday we will now set up committees to look into various areas so that we can go out and reach out to the people there with the love of Christ and the way we're doing it every member will belong to a committee so when you involve in taking decision over a particular issue, then you have the child to run with it and make it happen. This is the scriptures. And I love this. You will be, you, it will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive. So any Christian who goes to church and comes back and does nothing is because you are not making effort to add values to your life. <clears throat> Those who suggested yesterday are going to be the anchor of their suggestions. You know, that's the way I operate in my leadership. You cannot suggest something and somebody else do it better than you because before you suggested it, you have observed it. That is critical thinking. It has to do with cognitive reasoning. You have gone through all the process necessary to really suggest that. You saw the need. You suggested it. I will only give you ammunition to fulfill it. You need the governmental contact, I will give you that. You need the areas to get information, I will tell you the very person to go and meet. If necessary be, I will phone whoever is in charge. If it's an MP, we can phone him. If it is in the House of Law, we can phone them. If it's in the government office, we can phone them. If they don't give it to you, I will follow you there in my regalia, in my cross. And doors will open for you. Oh yeah, I cannot go with my cross and somebody is asking me not to come into parliament or to go into the house of laws or I meet um, the person who is director of a, of, of, a, of a council and he sees me in my regalia. He will first come in to, to, to sit down. If I say, I've come to, 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 to see you, sir. He will say, oh, my Lord. And I will come in. Eh? We can get anything we want, especially if it is good, doing good to the neighborhood. No one would tell you not to do that. You get me now? So if you make effort to add to your values in God and to your knowledge of Christ, you will not be ineffective and you will not be unproductive. Now, what is the summary benefit of that? Look at it. The next verse. Say, but if you if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. A Christian just comes to church and goes, only pray for yourself, get the blessings and go. You are nearsighted and blind. That's what the Bible says. And you have forgotten that he has, you have been cleansed from your past sins. 
If you continue in, a, in an old way of life, it means you are near and blind. You are forgetting that you have been cleansed from all those things and delivered from those things. That's the reason why I have problem when any minister tells me that Christians need to be delivered. Delivered from what? To me, according to the scripture, cleansing them by the word. Cleansing them by the word as with water. Ephesians 5. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Those people need to know the truth. I won't waste my time conducting deliverance. No. I will spend my time teaching you the truth. If you know the pathway to God and you follow the way of God, I want to see the demon that will follow you in that way. It's impossible. 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 You are supposed to go out there and helping the people who are not born again. If we have to be spending time delivering you, who should go out to, to deliver people? Can you understand what I'm telling you? If the Son therefore set you free, I've had people in London who have come to me in this church and said to me when they came here, Apostle of God, I need deliverance. And you can deliver me. I take my breath. I say, yes, I can deliver you. I will show you how I was delivered. If you can eat from the plate I eat, you will not need any man to deliver you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Any, if I minister the word of God, or I pray in the midst of people, anybody who needs deliverance, the Holy Spirit will do it. If he did not do it, don't come to me. I will, I will not pray for anybody for deliverance. Carry your demon to the church. Carry that demon and start reading the Bible. Let that demon hear the Bible, read it aloud. How many demons will wait when you're reading the Bible? The Word of God. And you are reading it. Really begin to read about the end time. The punishment that God has for demons and his, the devil and his angels. Read it aloud to your ear and to your inside. Let demon remain inside you and begin to tell him that Jesus has prepared hell for the, the devil and his angels. And begin to talk about paradise that he has prepared for those who are washed by the blood. Begin to talk about the blood of the lamb that was shed on Calvary. No demon will want to wait and hear that. They will run out by themselves if they are there at all. And moreover, I don't believe they can be there once Jesus set you free. It will be, it will be ironical and it will be unscriptural. It will be unethical. It will be undefinitive of God. That a man that Jesus set free, see need another man to set him free. That other man must be a Messiah. More than Jesus Christ. God will not allow that to happen. Finally, therefore my brothers, be all the more eager to what? Make your election, to make your calling an election sure. Shall we read that together? Therefore my brothers... Mm-hmm. Say it again. My Bible says you will never fall. But you must make sure you put your efforts. Prove yourself as a believer. That's the scripture. We don't have to fall. I've met some people who said that, you know, all of us can fall. I said, I can't. He said, what do you mean? 
I said I read the cure in the Bible. Before falling, somebody must ignore his God. You can't fall if you do not commit the thought of ignoring God. So, if you don't ignore your God, it's not possible for you to fall. But if you ignore your God, you're on the pathway of falling. When a baby is a baby, he can be falling when he's running, somersaulting, isn't it? Because his legs are not strong. Maybe a young Christian can be doing that, like that. But after knowing the Lord for five years, are you still a baby? A five-year-old child, we seen just walking, walking, trying to walk and there's somersault. If that happened to your baby, you'll be praying, you'll be taken to hospital. So a Christian, you make effort to make your election sure. You are not one of those that Satan will corner. I said that Satan cannot corner you. <laughs> Amen. You know, I told the Lord sometime that, Lord, help me. If everybody disappoints you on earth, I will stand by you. I would rather die than to deny you. And I have been going to dangerous places, putting my life on the stake for the gospel. Because I cannot die unless he says to me, come. And if I have to die, I have no fear for it at any time of my life. No fear to die. And that's the reason why we are preaching the gospel to those who kill in the physical. And we are seeing the hand of God changing their hearts into righteousness. Now shall we just stand up together. We are going to pray tonight for mercy from heaven and strength into our inner man. That the Holy Spirit will help us to be able to fulfill all that he has set for us to do. Shall we just begin to pray in the name of Jesus? Ask the Lord for strength. Strength for tomorrow. Tell the Lord, out of your mercy, strengthen me, O God. Help me, Lord, to serve you. Father, I submit my soul to you. Tell the Lord, great is thy faithfulness. I surrender myself to you, Lord Jesus. I surrender my body to you, Lord Jesus. My heart to you, Lord. My soul unto you. I depend on your grace, O God. Lord, I rededicate myself unto you at this hour. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. Take this song after me. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord my Father.
receive from the Lord what I pass also pass unto you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body. Which is for you. Do these remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. But whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the Lord, the body, and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without this recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many among you are weak and sick. And a number of you have died. But if we judge ourselves, we will not come under 
judgment. Will you please go on your knees where you are and we pray together. Ask the Lord for cleansing within you. If there's anyone here who have not invited Jesus to his or her heart, you can do that now and then you can partake with us in this communion. Because this communion is instruction of Jesus Christ to those who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And if you have not, and you want to, you can say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for me. You can repeat what I say. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. I believe in my heart that God raised you, Jesus, from the dead and confess with my lips that you, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I ask you for mercy to forgive me all my sins. I repent before you. I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for cleansing in our spirit, in our mind, renewal in our body, a rededication unto you of our body, our intellect, and our heart. So that, Lord, we receive power from you, even as we remember and proclaim your death in accordance to your last command to the church. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Amen. Shall we rise up together, please? The body of Jesus was broken for you. The body of Christ was broken for you. The body of Christ was broken for you.